Hello, everyone, and thanks for coming back to World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities, and our hope is that we can inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So without any further ado, I'm Piper. And I'm Sam. And welcome to World Forge. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of World Forge. And hello, Piper, and welcome back to another evening in in my office. In Sam's office. Hello. Oh, my gosh. It's so nice to be back. Thank you for having me Yeah, in this nice white room full of stuff. I wasn't sure if I was going to let you back in after the mess you left last time, but um, I figured I'd give you another chance. Oh, thanks. So here we are. Yeah. I, I ripped off my headphones. I threw down the microphone. I kicked every monitor in sight. This well, had a weird is, little fit. It was odd. That's a lie. She's not even wearing headphones. Um, <laughs> I never do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, welcome back to the studio. We're, we're here again with another episode for you this week, an episode inspired by a fun little little event that we had this past weekend mm-hmm. uh, that comes but, but once a year. <laughs> Piper, it was your birthday this was, weekend. Yes, it was. It was my birthday on Sunday. Um, yeah. And we actually, we celebrated the day before. And we kind of combined my birthday with uh, a housewarming party and had some friends over, which was really, really nice. Yeah, it was delightful. It was really nice. We got a barbecue and we got a, yeah. Yeah, some, we got the fire pit roaring. We got to show off all of our hard work yes. of our beautiful house, including a beautiful fish painting that you purchased recently. Yes, exactly. And now yeah. we're we're done with all the hard work we'll never work hard again never at anything so no. uh that's why we're really gonna just i think phone in this episode for you this <laughs> week. <laughs> uh, no we're, we're actually decided it would be fun to talk about how we can use feasts and banquets as sort of the launching point for different adventures and stories in your role-playing games because you know having just had a pretty successful feast slash banquet yeah uh, we thought that would be a, a fun thing to do to kind of tie that in and also we just couldn't really be bothered to think of something else so <laughs> well <laughs> you know we when inspiration abandons you uh you know all you got to do is just think about <laughs> what's something i did in the last few days yeah and uh go from there just yeah. take that put it into your role play and pretend like you thought about it for many years and developed it slowly over time. I mean, genuinely not bad advice. Um, like, you know, we always make a lot of hay about stealing from other people and getting away with it, but you can also steal from yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can steal your own life experiences and, and turn them into fun adventures. So that's exactly what we're going to do today. Exactly. Um, we I have a couple <laughs> of other uh, ideas too about fun sort of banquets and uses of food and uh, little dinner time meetings in pop culture that we're going to use as some other sources of inspiration. Piper, do you want to go ahead and start this week? I am. And actually, uh, I, I'm confident. Yeah, I'm already mad at you. That you, that you know exactly what I'm about to say. <laughs> that is the make-believe feast from Hook. Yeah, of yes, course. Yes, of course. Of course. Yay! <laughs> so I'm going to cross that off my Same list right now. Same <laughs> brain. Literally, it's the number one that pops into my head when I think about people gathering to eat yes. in a movie. I think that scene is one of the most magical scenes in the entire film. I think the score does so much for it, but it's also, of course, like this big turning point for the character. For those yeah. who don't know, 
Hook is about uh, Robin Williams plays a Peter Pan who grew up and became this kind of he's a lawyer. You know, he's a mergers and acquisitions lawyer, exactly. Like corporate lawyer, yeah. He's cold. He's distant from his children, uh, and he's forced to refind the uh, eternal spirit of youth inside yeah. of him to save his kids because he became a pirate. Exactly yeah. from Captain Hook. Yeah. So uh, the make believe feast is where he first really starts to get it because he just gets so drawn into this um, yeah. dis uh, kind of uh, rap battle against Rufio (laughs) to kind of just throw shade at each other it's a very strange and wonderful thing that Robin Williams just gets into it yeah into like a verbal fist fight essentially with uh, with, <laughs> with uh, Prince Zuko from Avatar. Exactly. <laughs> it's delightful. I think, and Sam, I would be curious to know if you agree. I have always felt as a kid in my like nostalgic memory of watching this movie from the beginning is that moment where the camera pans over the table and you see the like countless pies that are just whipped cream and the like the chicken that's glistening with some oh, kind yeah. of grease and it just looks like the most tasteful food you could ever possibly oh, yeah. imagine well, it, it's so bright and colorful and it looks like what you would imagine the the best feast ever you know as a kid if you were you know just like a little lost boy who lived out in the woods and never actually ate any real food mm-hmm. this is what you would imagine food to look like because it's just it's so vibrant and exactly kind of over the top i completely agree it looks everything looks like a dessert it's uh, oh yes <laughs> yeah great it's so well captured yeah. and for each of my examples sam I have kind of written down, you know, not only, you know, what the thing is, but what it does to the plot. Like, what is the significance? How does it move the story along? Well, I feel like this one is, it's about, yeah, it's about transformation. It's like you said, it's the first time he kind of realizes... Mm-hmm. that he has a little bit of magic in him still, that he can still be Peter Pan, which I think is really cool. And exactly, that's, yeah. It's the it's the it's not the inciting incident, but it, it's the the turning point, I right. think, for him. Yeah. Yeah. I've also written down simply that it is at its uh, essence a game that they play. And that's something that Tinkerbell says to him. She's like, This used to be your favorite game. Yeah. And so I love the idea of like a make believe meal is something that you play at. Yes. Um and so I love that too. And that it is very much about him kind of finding himself through this game because that's what being a kid is all about i agree and you know in putting this into a DD or role-playing sort of lens i think this sort of shows you can use an event like this like you know a sit-down dinner a meal at a tavern or at a castle or at a you know whatever as an opportunity to maybe kind of have a conversation right i mean mm-hmm. the, you know fundamentally this interaction in the movie hook it's a conversation that takes the form of a big food fight and right. like an argument. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> but at its heart, it, it really is. It's just a conversation. It's all of these kids kind of coming together and telling a story together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just I think that abstraction is really interesting. And I think that would be kind of a fun thing to sort of find different ways to let the meal itself or the event itself help tell the story, right? Like Very what nice. yeah. what is actually happening sort of beneath the surface here is it that everybody sits at a table and there's sort of this like simmering resentment because everyone's kind of angry at each other but they all share a a delicious meal and it it, you know it allows them to see that they have something in common that that we all love roast beast or whatever you know what i mean (laughs) like I, i think that there is there is a lot of room there to have an event like this be a Something that can bring your party together or drive them apart, Definitely. which is important. Sometimes you need to insert those types of kind of group trust building uh, right? events into your into your game. So how, yeah. how fun would it be if you take your current campaign and you're like, well, guess what? 
suddenly we're in a town where like somebody, one of the players, their parents like live here. And you have to have a very awkward sit down dinner <laughs> with their parents because there's this whole like weird backstory, which of course your player has thoroughly written out in a yes, giant obviously. novel yeah. and they are excited to explore except their character isn't. And now you get to do so. Let's air this dirty laundry in front of everyone in a very awkward sit down family meal. It, you're, it, it's making me think of the um, the dinner when when Walt invites Jesse to dinner in Breaking Bad uh, towards the end and it's after uh, it, it's like after Skyler finds out about Walt oh. <laughs> and it's just this like terrible dinner that there's this wonderful shot of Jesse just drinking his water like hiding behind <laughs> his glass of water because he's so uncomfortable at this terrible dinner where these two people are just you know they're both just you know taking digs at each other you know dig after dig after dig right uh and walt is kind of using jesse as a way to be like no look this is like a normal dinner we can have like a normal sit-down dinner again mm-hmm. and skylar's just like dude fuck you like, <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you can't do this see it's funny my mind in that scenario instantly went to shrek 2 where fiona and shrek <laughs> have to have that first dinner with her parents the king and the queen yes and it becomes a very intense moment of both shrek and the king like interrogating each yeah, other yeah. and they're doing it not just through their words but the way that they're like cutting into the food i remember specifically at one point the king i think shoves a knife into a lobster and just rips it apart <laughs> as he's like yelling at shrek for turning his daughter into this ogre which yeah. she always was so yeah, it's exactly. like whatever but i love that scene yeah great tension I, I think that's great i i think another good example of you know if you want to have a dinner scene with a lot of you know kind of high high stakes drama right like you know you could cut the tension with a knife right any wedding from game of thrones oh that basically. was on my list too yeah so look at the red wedding or the purple wedding and just exactly. so that, you know the the red wedding is such a great example one because it comes so out of nowhere but you know when you start to realize things are going wrong the the reins of castamere starts playing in the background you see roose bolton is wearing his armor oh, i love that suddenly such all the a great guys tell. are you know the the doors lock yeah the, all of these little details that kind of show oh something probably very bad is about to happen here right Dude. and you don't necessarily have to have this obviously end quite as catastrophically <laughs> as the red wedding but you know imagine your party being invited you know into the into the hall of some great lord and suddenly things just start getting a little spooky and you know and you mm-hmm. this, this leads into what right it leads into a fight or it leads into a you know, an argument or it leads into a mass murder. Yeah, exactly. There, there are a lot of different <laughs> directions you can go with this. But I think taking that as a good example of how to build up that tension in a scene like this by utilizing all of these different things, the things that you hear, the things that you see, the things that are just kind of going on behind the scenes around you, not necessarily person to person, but mm-hmm. sort of on the whole in the entire room. I think that's a there's some good lessons to take from that. Absolutely. Now, I that was actually the second thing on my list was the Red Wedding. Well, good. You stole one from me and I stole one from you. So, so. it's perfect. A fair <laughs> trade. I, I wrote down for that one as far as when it comes to, you know, what does this serve? And this uh, meal, I think, very much is a moment of pure betrayal Yes. Uh, on the part of Roose Bolton and yeah. House Bolton, which, by the way, so we're currently re-watching yeah. Game of Thrones. Uh, this is my second full watch through. And I have really come to admire Roose Bolton as a character. <laughs> like, he's ruthless and evil, but I admire him the same way I admire Tywin. Yes. It's just yes. like someone who is very aware of his enemies. He's very smart and he's not afraid to take yeah. intense action to get what he wants. I, I think it's really great 
to just have characters that are so capable, mm-hmm. you know? Right, it's, it's exactly. not a character that's, he's in no way sort of finding himself and learning his true strength. You know, and that's an interesting story a lot of the time too, but there's something very satisfying about somebody who's already kind of at the height of their abilities, right? They've been doing this. They've been surviving for, you know, decades. They know how to get what they want Mm -hmm. and they just go and do it. Right. I think that's a really, really satisfying thing to see. I don't want every story to be, you know, Peter Parker going, I can't be a Spider-Man. I'm just a Peter (laughs) Parker. Like, I've got to learn how to use my power. You know, I'm just Harry. Yeah, exactly. I don't always need to see that every single time. No, I totally agree. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I love that. I I totally agree. I think Bruce Bolton is a fascinating character. One, because that voice. Oh, my gosh. But two, like, (laughs) he he just gets shit done seriously (laughs) it's great and i think it's interesting too i feel like when at the big like the earlier seasons at first he does seem to really kind of believe in uh yeah um rob Rob stark yeah oh it is rob okay i was gonna say not rob uh yeah but i think he sees what we see as an audience looking through a second time of being more critical and less kind of like rose tinted glasses of this is a a young boy who's never been to war before and though he is quite capable on the battlefield he's not a strategist he's not a leader and he's making a lot of big mistakes he's gonna get us killed eventually i just took the opportunity you know to to end this in a way that puts my family on top right yeah yeah absolutely Anyway, yeah, do you, what what else do you have apart from the Red Wedding? Uh, I actually I wanted to talk about literally every Redwall book ever. Nice. Um, I hoped you brought yeah. you would bring this up. <laughs> the, the, so Brian Jocks, the the late great Brian Jocks, the author of the Redwall series of books, um, just a really fun and delightful little series of kind of fa- like young adult fables, basically. Uh, about Redwall Abbey and all of the the little mice and moles and and cute, cute little and animals that otters. live there, yeah. <laughs> and uh, in every single book, it's usually divided about, but you know, two thirds of the book is going to be the main story and adventure, and then the rest of the book is going to be just like gratuitous food porn, basically, just them <laughs> talking about all. You know, Brian Jocks clearly loved. You know, to to sit down and tuck in, I guess, and he just really liked <laughs> to uh, to talk about that in his books. Clearly, you know, he allowed himself that kind of outlet because the detail he goes into in talking about all of this food that has nothing to do with the main story. It never has anything to do with what's going on. It's just him saying, "Well, you know, the acorn cordial is a fine vintage this year that we've Cute. pulled out," and Cute. talking about all these, you know, <laughs> there's. Obviously, a, a tie-in cookbook for it as well, which which you own, which I own, and, and we've is, made something from it before. Yes, it is delightful. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Redwall is a great example of a meal or a banquet or something like that being a great reprieve from an adventure. Right? You yeah. can completely step outside of the story that you're trying to tell and just say, "Hey, tonight everyone's going to relax. You're going to, you know, un- undo your your belt buckle. You're going to just kind of <laughs> let it all hang out and have a good time." And I think that's also something that's really needed. I think we talked about this in our garden episode a few weeks ago that it, it's hard to find interesting downtime activities, but sometimes those downtime sessions can mm-hmm. be the most interesting ones because everyone can kind of relax and goof around and just sort of settle into their characters. And some of the most interesting role play stuff comes from not always having to discuss a problem, but getting to just organically and and calmly be your character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. Sam, I was wondering um, if maybe there would be some kind of a tie in your mind between... 
uh, what food descriptions you like better, Redwall or isn't there also a lot of that in Lord of the Rings, especially like The Hobbit? Yeah. Do they talk about feasts and food a whole lot there too? Yeah, Tolkien talks a lot. Yeah, especially in the Hobbit centric sections of it like before they leave the shire and and when right. they're still in kind of the the peaceful nice parts of the world when mm-hmm. we're in rivendell uh he talks a lot about the food that they eat and how they go about kind of enjoying their food sort of the ritual around eating which yeah. i think is really interesting um, see i only have the hobbit movie to pull from i haven't read the book um yes but i i think the beginning like the the first half of the first Hobbit film, I really like. Everything else from there yes. is a little hard <laughs> to kind of get into because yeah, yeah. it kind of goes downhill from there, in my opinion. Well, the, you know, um, the, the dinner party with all the dwarves well, is one exactly. of the best parts of the book. It's yeah. so fun. And I love, like, you see, like, he, Bilbo has this big, like, storehouse full of food. And they all come and they just start devouring it. And he's like, yeah. no, these are my things. And I <laughs> wanted to enjoy them. But they're just, like, digging in. They've come on this long journey already just to get to his place. Of course. And well, just and, the and, merriment that they share and the song that the the blunt the knives smash the plates that's what bubble baggins hates I so think fun. It's such a great <laughs> i i was really sad that you know the first movie really hit a home run for me with how it included a lot of that stuff it mm-hmm. was very musical and whimsical in a way that the hobbit really really is yeah. and as they moved forward i don't think there is a song in the second or third movie i don't think so either um, and i i was really upset about that because i thought that was i thought that was one of the best inclusions of the first movie and it it really misses a major beat i think by moving away from that and you know clearly they wanted to try and tell a more epic lord of the rings like story but that's really not what the hobbit is Mm -hmm. um yeah it just kind of incidentally leads up into the most epic fantasy tale of all time basically right like (laughs) that wasn't really its initial purpose it was kind of retconned to for that to be its purpose right um i mean how dare you give us the beautiful baritone singing of all these dwarves in that first movie (laughs) and then you never give it to us again oh there should have been so many songs richard armitage kills it the the, the, the misty mountains of forever yeah exactly it's so good Um, sam fun story for our listeners uh in case anyone wants this weird fun fact i remember one time you and i i think we was on a camping trip we were um, in our tent. We were just kind of like settling down for the night. And you, we were talking about Lord of the Rings because of duh. And you were like, Piper, I bet you can't name a single song from Lord of the Rings. And I just started going into the Misty Mountain <laughs> yeah, song. Yeah, and then we sang it together. Great. And it was super fun. I remember this. this was in the Badlands, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that was <laughs> delightful. Uh, and when we go camping again in a few weeks, maybe we will do that again. And we'll teach uh, it to my niece. Yes. Who I may come that. along. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's a really great ad on i think to that piper that yeah very similarly to the way the food is treated in Redwall, these types of events are viewed as this kind of break from okay we're going to do something really dangerous and scary mm-hmm. but we first have to have to have one last night of comfort yeah you know? well that. okay so i think it's really interesting now that i'm thinking about music you mentioned in the Red Wedding that the song changes to, what was it, something of the Castamere? The Reigns of Castamere, yeah. Right, which to you was like a, a warning sign of being like, hang on, something yeah. bad's about to happen here. I think, um, so growing up in my household, we always put on music while we were having dinner. We like had like a sit-down dinner family. You listen to the Reigns of Castamere at every Christmas morning. Oh, feast. yikes. Yeah. <laughs> 
I did not. That'd be lots of red flags. Um, no, but like music is always such a part of the dining experience, I think. And that's something as a DM, I think would be really cool. And we talk about this a lot about like, you know, adding an audio element to your storytelling yeah. is to say, all right, do you want to maybe tip off your list your your players by maybe introducing some slightly yeah. ominous music or would that be too obvious and maybe you should introduce the happiest most uplifting music ever before you quickly stab them in the yeah. tummy so they never <laughs> see it coming like how are you going to use that in your narrative to kind of either lead or deceive your players yeah exactly you have this choice that you have to make of do you want to give them a sudden shock or do you want to have this slow buildup of tension you know mm -hmm. like are are you the kind of guy that would rather your players die or from gal. a heart attack or or yes or, or <laughs> would you rather your players die from like the slow burn of, of anxiety <laughs> slowly creeping in and taking over <laughs> how funny uh, would it be yeah. if you just started playing ominous music and your players are suddenly on edge they're like something's gonna happen and you just don't do anything yeah, nothing bad happens and then yeah. the game is over and they're just like that's it and you're like that's it i just want to fuck with you guys yeah, see yeah. you next wednesday <laughs> I, the, the power that you wield as a dm is uh truly a terrifying thing <laughs> very good <laughs> so yeah that's that's uh, another i think great couple of examples there i have Two more that I could talk about. One really quick one and one that I actually have like something to say about. But, cool. Do your yeah. quick one. I'll do my last one. Well, my, my quick one is just, we'll wrap up. again, in a similar sense as how Redwall and Lord of the Rings kind of always includes a feast scene. I think that's another thing that, spoilers, Miyazaki is really, really good about. Oh, is yeah. The, the food in his movies is always just so, anytime there's food it's beautiful you know the mm -hmm. level of detail it all looks so tasty and when chihiro and her parents first get to the bathhouse in spirited away and her parents see the food and they just start eating and turn into pigs i was gonna say I, it can yeah. also be very upsetting like for exactly. me it, i hate that scene the way they are like just gorging themselves that like makes yeah. me so queasy and like uncomfortable well, and, and the way that no face yeah. like also similarly just like consumes so much like yeah it's it's very upsetting i think it's great because yeah it can it can show food as a source of comfort and as a source of discomfort, mm -hmm. right? That, yeah, this this more gluttonous side of it can be a really, ugh, like you, kind of unsettling, nasty thing. Yeah, so, yeah definitely. Absolutely. So that, that was just my quick thing. Anytime you see food in a Miyazaki movie, not only is it beautiful, but it is often... Uh, I don't know. Sometimes sometimes uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Can be. Definitely. What's your next one, Piper? My final one is simply mentioning uh, the way that food is used, obviously, in the movie Ratatouille, which is like the center of, of the entire thing. But I want to focus specifically on the very end of the film in which, you know, the, the kitchen <sighs> so staff like abandons Remy and Linguini yeah. and they have to do this just by themselves to impress Anton Ego. Yeah. And the fact that they make this meal... Very simple, but it means so much. And they present it to him. And I just love the way that kind of it goes into that narration. Yeah. You know, you just see Anton like looking at the rat and like you hear the narration of being like, at first he didn't say anything. He asked maybe a few questions. And at the end he said, thank you for the meal. And he left. And it's just this kind of like cool... I don't know, very reflective moment. And then we finally get his beautiful uh, review that he writes. Yeah. But for that, I kind of wrote that down for a plot point as sort of a test of character, both, yeah. I think, for Remy to prove himself, but also a test of Anton's character to say, you know what? I don't actually know 
everything. I was this jaded review critic person, but you know, review monger. Exactly. (laughs) But this has kind of brought me back down to sort of the humble roots and the, the pure passion of cooking and what food can do for someone. Yeah. And so that's a moment that I think obviously very stands out. I I love that. I think that's one of the best sort of climaxes of a Pixar movie. Yeah. Definitely. I I I really like that resolution to all of this because it's just, you know, it's we can all sympathize right with wanting to do something really well and being recognized for it right mm-hmm. even if you're not trying to be the best chef in the world or whatever if you do anything you do like what's the point of doing it if you're not going to try right and when yeah. somebody acknowledges that it's it's so satisfying mm-hmm. like it really is it's a wonderful thing to be recognized for something like that and Absolutely. so i i really love that spirit of that final sort of scene in that movie and um I think that actually could be another really interesting thing to introduce as kind of a challenge for your D&D party, right? Is maybe this dinner isn't something that you are experiencing as a guest. Maybe you're tasked with putting on a you great feast. You have to feast. prepare it. Yeah, Ooh, exactly. I like that. Yeah. How would you mechanically do that? You know, like what skills would you bring in? What type of synergies between your your players would you try to kind of put into play here? Definitely. Um, I think that could be a lot of fun. And uh, I, I just really like that idea now of saying, hey, you guys, there's no there's not going to be any any combat this session other than maybe against like a, a chicken or something, you know, <laughs> I, a lobster who fights yeah, back. Exactly. Like, <laughs> how do you use your adventuring skills in a way that you can translate into cooking a tasty feast, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think that's a really interesting challenge. I like that a whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. What's your final one, Sam? So my final one, I want to talk about a game series that I hold very near and dear to my heart, uh, the Mount and Blade series. Mm. Um, So Mount and Blade uh, is, it's it's like a combat strategy, sort of um, like medieval politics simulator, right? So the idea behind the game is you start as this just kind of young street urchin and you build up an army and you gain influence by sort of treating with lords and ladies of the realm and you end up essentially either founding your own kingdom and kind of taking over or you can form alliances with other kingdoms you can join another kingdom as a vassal and fight for them and you can go out and do all of these things it's a really really interesting like i said kind of kind of medieval politics simulator mm-hmm. but one of the things you can do to help gain renown and influence for yourself in the world is you can hold these great feasts and you invite all of the lords and ladies of the kingdom to attend and you can use that as an opportunity to one gather them all into one place but to kind of curry favor with them all. So yeah. if you put on a great feast, it will have a greater effect on their relationship with you. And Very if nice. you, you know, if you're someone who is looking for a husband or a wife, you can put on a feast as an opportunity to meet all of the eligible bachelors and bachelorettes of the realm. And <laughs> it's a really in-depth and fun mechanic. And it was um, uh, in Mountain Blade uh, Warband, which came out like probably like 10 years ago or something at this point, it was introduced and in... The newest game, Bannerlord, uh, which was a long, long awaited sequel that's still in early access. Um, they, I think, have just implemented or in, in the last couple patches have implemented this feature back in again, at least hmm. in a in a partial capacity. And I just think it's a really fun thing. It's a very different type of gaming experience than you get in a lot of games like this. Uh, and I just think that's really cool. So 
how do you determine whether or not your feasts are successful? Do you have to like invest in like buying like the five star chefs and cooks and like getting the best quality like venison and yeah. and so, best crops? Because like what if you don't do that? They're like, well, the food was spoiled and your jester is not funny <laughs> and everyone hated it and no one is marrying you. Yeah. Like how does it determine your success? So what you can do is you know you want to have both a variety and plenty of food, right? So you you can go and travel around and. You can buy wine and, uh, you know, beer and grapes and fish and bread, you know, so you have all these different things for your guests to eat and you put them in your stores at home and it will automatically use whatever you have available in your store, right? And if you have luxury items like butter and oil, it has more impact than just having like bread and fish, right? Like fishes, loaves and fishes, right? Um, <laughs> we ain't no Jesus up in yes. here. But you also can, you know, you can throw a tournament in your town and if you win the tournament, you can dedicate your victory to a eligible bachelor or bachelorette and that will cause them to like you more there's all kinds of different things you can do to increase the sort of quality of your feast which i think is really really great awesome. uh, i think there are a few mods that add in extra things you can sort of do to Very cool. add uh, add on to these experiences but i just i think that's really great i think it gives a lot of interesting mechanical options that very easily can translate into a role-playing setting right you can yeah. literally just lift these whole you know just from this game like mm -hmm. exactly as they are essentially so you know what yeah. this is actually giving me an idea that if anyone wants to take this obviously that's what we're here for but i kind of <laughs> love the idea of running an entire campaign that's simply i mean okay okay this is not totally original obviously because as soon as i'm saying this i'm now thinking about our friends at dragon wings where their whole yes, thing is about yes. finding that perfect like dry, dry, rub. Yeah, dry rub um but i was literally just thinking to myself it's like because talking about, you know, getting the best quality items and like what you said about if you have butter, for example, and it makes me remember when I was like in high school and we were talking about, you know, like the spice trades and how like valuable certain spices were yeah, yeah. and how like people even like fought and like lost their lives over something like this. Imagine doing a campaign based solely around the idea of like we have to go across the continent and the world to like get these different ingredients to make this one perfect meal. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. Like we're on the hunt for spice. Now we're on the hunt for like oregano. And now we need <laughs> like the perfect, most beautiful like beef. It has to be perfectly marbled. Yeah. We must slaughter the great creature ourselves and yeah. cut its flank and serve it right. See, I, That would be I, so cool. I love this idea. And I love the idea of bringing economics into a game like this, right? Yeah. Saying there are trade goods that... If you just want to focus on going out and finding the best sources for all of these things and building up a bunch of wealth and experience that way, to me, that is fascinating. That's so cool. I, I so love that. Um, yeah, I, I think that would be really, really cool and really fun for me. I am curious if any of our D&D groups would find that as interesting as I think we would. I'm sure they but, would. Um, I mean, he wouldn't. If yeah, you don't yeah. think this is a cool idea, get out. <laughs> <laughs> like, You're uninvited from our fun. Yeah. I'm proud of this. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that's really, really cool. And I, I like that idea a lot because it's an alternative sort of goal. You don't see that type of goal a lot yeah. in D&D. Like, mm -hmm non-combat victory really. well exactly like the ending is not about fighting that final boss it's about preparing this meal with the ingredients you've gathered and yes. the skills that you've learned along the way and as you serve it to that one person who's going to taste it and decide mm, success exactly that's how five you, stars that's how you beat the final <laughs> boss is you beat up his tongue with a really good steak exactly yeah, yeah they just I burst into tears and they're like well done i do also think it's an interesting thing and again this is something that dragon wings does really well is as they're 
out on this quest to find the perfect chicken wing dry rub. <laughs> they're adding ingredients to it, you know, every every couple of sessions, right? They're Very they're nice. finding like uh, you know, a, a banshee's tears or whatever and adding it and when they do that, uh, and they add it to the rub, when they eat the chicken wings from it, it gives them additional bonuses as Very they do cool. it. So, you know, it starts out it just heals them a little bit, then it gives them uh, like advantage on their next attack roll and then it gives them like a, you know a plus to their charisma or, you know there's all kinds of different things that it, that it ultimately ends up adding yeah to their their stats temporarily which i think is a fun thing and that's something that we have had in some of our games implemented with to to a lesser degree i think saying if you want to cook something and you find some fancy ingredients and you want to make a couple of checks i can say well yeah sure you're, you're going to get uh, you know, a bonus to your strength because you ate a big old hearty slice of bear meat before you went on an adventure <laughs> or whatever, you know? I, oh my God. I, there's different ways to do this that I think are really fun. Sam, this makes me think of, and maybe I've shared this on the podcast before, but um, one of the only video games that I actively play, actively, quote unquote, <laughs> is Skyrim. Yes. And I don't like doing dungeon, like, quests and missions. Yeah, you hate the actual game of it. Yeah, yeah I just want to, like, I want to treat it like it's The Sims and just, yeah. like, build a house and find a wife and have fun. Um, but so anytime <laughs> I do have to go into like one of the many caves and dungeons yeah. I always will like just eat a sack of flour yeah. <laughs> like 20 apples or some raw meat and Sam's like what are you doing you might need that for later I'm like no I have to build up my my reserves right now so I'm good and strong to go fight in this cave every time you see a <laughs> a dog out in the wild like a wild wolf or something you're like frank reynolds eating the ingredients of a cake exactly i'm like have to eat the ingredients of a cake Uh, yeah it's it's so honestly it is a really fun and totally valid way to play that game i shouldn't roast you for it thank you it's how i I role play i'm like no i'm about to go fight for five hours let me just eat this raw meat and then i'm gonna go into this cave and you know i love titus blackfoot your your beautiful and powerful orc oh uh, uh Taylor, I think is what. Yeah, he's into embroidery. Exactly. I, I love Titus Blackfoot. He, Titus he Blackfoot's was, a great character. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> he he was a, a guard for some royalty, and he failed, and they died while under his care, and so now he's a jaded man yeah. walking out in the wastes, <laughs> trying to forget his horrible past. A more interesting story than the actual story of Skyrim, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, those are all of our sources of inspiration here. I think what we should do now, Piper, is we should try and parlay all of this into some kind of an adventure uh, that we will custom build Mm -hmm. for our, our sweet dear listeners here today. So I, I I mean, I still think we should use a random prompt for this. Mm -hmm. I am interested to see, okay, okay, got them. Do you want to just like maybe lay out like two or three words and we can just see where we squeeze them all in? Well, I generated two words, okay. so I can give you two. Great. Let's give us two <laughs> words here, and then we can build this this piece together and see where we go with it. Fabulous. The words that I was given are the words hissing, which I love, <laughs> and the word flight. Okay. So yeah. right away, personally, when I saw the word hissing, I thought of a couple of things. First, my mind thought, well, maybe it's a bunch of like tabaxi cat people, and oh, okay. this meal goes wrong, and they're all like up in arms with each other. Oh, but right. then my other thought was, what if actually the food that you're preparing is something like a hissing cockroach or something oh, like that? Okay. Like it's a very deadly creature. Or it's- something very unpleasant and unpalatable that you have to make the palatable and appealing right or actually you know what would be really cool too is a kind of more sort of um 
diplomacy uh, sort of challenge. Yeah. Like you're invited to dine with these people like that you've never encountered before and their food is very unappealing to you and it seems mostly alive and like weird and dangerous. Yeah. But if you refuse to eat the food they offer you, they will take that as a great offense. Oh, totally, And yeah. then you will be surely kicked out and you won't receive the resources that you need from them or the help that you need. See, I think this would be a fun challenge in D&D because this would also be a really interesting thing to force your players to do actual sort of physical challenges, right? Like right. <laughs> if you say your your D&D character has to eat this really gross, nasty looking food, right? Have them make a constitution save and say there's like three levels of success. There's like total success, there's middling, like neutral success, and then failure, right? And if you totally succeed, your player has to eat like a piece of chocolate or, you know, something that is just like easy to eat. If they uh, have like a neutral thing, maybe they have to like lick a bunch of salt or something like that, you know, something like that. (laughs) And if they have a complete failure... In order to not have this failure totally ruin their character, Drink they have expired to, milk. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like, <laughs> Crack an egg in their mouth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Eat a raw egg. Put <laughs> mustard in your eye or something. I don't know. Like some kind of a eat, eat a spicy pepper. You know, I think there are a lot of ways that you could do this that would be really fun challenges that your your actual players in real life could have to overcome. Definitely. And tying that into the degrees of success or failure of your your in-game character would be a really interesting thing to do. I like that yeah. too. I'm actually thinking how fun would it be if your session just turned into an episode of Fear Factor? Because <laughs> um, I don't yeah. know if you ever watched that yeah. actively. I did a whole bunch when yeah, I was no, little. Yeah, I, I remember Fear Factor, yeah. I think what I remember, like one of the big challenges that they always kind of led up to, at some point they'd be, they'd, they'd go to Las Vegas and it was always happening like on some kind of like roulette table or something. And they'd be like, you have to eat these. And he'd like pull off the lid and there'd be these like freaky spiders that have these kind of weird like crab legs. Like they've got these weird pinchier things. Yeah. Terrifying. And they're always trying to, they're fighting back as you're eating them. Well, exactly. You have to like pick it up and like bite it, but it's also like clawing your face at the same time. And just like, Oh God, like those things, like that would just be great. Role play, I so think. So <laughs> if you know a spider guy, a, a good source for spiders for to buy for your D&D campaign. Oh, only fictional. Yeah. <laughs> I would fucking leave. If you yeah. like, were like, Piper, eat a real eat spider. A real spider. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm out and I'm not going to be with you anymore. <laughs> so, no, thank you. I, I, I love that idea as one potential avenue for this. What I actually thought of right away with hissing was it made me think of snakes, which makes me think of like a cowboy feast, right? So oh, fun. instead of it being a big fancy in a wonderful like fireplace keep full of, you know, beautiful tapestries and all of the most important guests, the who's who of, of the realm, it would be more like a trail feast, right? You're mm. out traveling with maybe you are kind of a guide and you're escorting a bunch of sort of soft and squishy nobles through some dangerous territory and they demand a great feast as part of this trip through, you know, along the Oregon Trail or whatever for them, (laughs) right? And you would have to put together this great feast out of just the animals and, and plants and things that you can find in the immediate vicinity, right? I think that would be a fun thing also to challenge, to, to sort of challenge your, your players to do, to Mm -hmm. say, Okay, there here's here's a list of 10 ingredients 
Now, what do you think you can make that these nobles are going to be impressed by? And sort of say, match up all of these different things. And then everyone can kind of agree on, you know, you can kind of review these culinary Frankenstein's monsters, (laughs) right? And sort of say, which one of these actually sounds really good? And, you know, maybe you have a few people on the on the trip together, you would do it sort of like uh, like uh, chopped style or whatever, where oh, there's a finite amount of ingredients that ingredients that three people have to all split between them. And so one of you gets, you know, a bunch of spinach and some duck breast and some oregano. And the other one of you, <laughs> because of that, is just stuck with like the old pork and some salt. And, I was going like, so, you know to I mean? Yeah, you, you have to like fight over all the different, the different ingredients, right? And whoever succeeds in creating the most interesting sounding meal or justifying why their meal is the most interesting mm-hmm. would be the winner of this engagement, which I, I, I like that a fun. whole lot. I think that opens up yeah. a lot of awesome potential for clever role play negotiation yeah like yeah. let's say maybe you are maybe you saddled make the shittiest with... thing but you have the best persuasion yeah. well exactly that's what i was just going to say is like you're the one who ends up with the like the rattlesnake tail and the tumbleweed and you're like <laughs> how do i make a meal out of this but maybe you roll like really well and it just yeah. turns out the noble that you are serving they grew up on rattlesnake tail yeah. and it like does an anton ego moment for them and exactly. they're like oh my god the simplicity of this meal you are a person of the earth and i connect with you you dinner roll really well Exactly. Your crescent Mm. roll really well. Yummy. Whatever type of roll you like, honestly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sam, how should we incorporate flight into a potential scenario? Because honestly, my first mind goes to, what's up with airline food? (laughs) (laughs) Just like food that you eat while flying. You know what? That is an interesting thing. I mean, maybe, maybe the food kind of on this note of it all being trail meat you have to find a way to make this food portable right mm-hmm. you can eat it in mid-flight or in mid-transit it, it can't be a feast that you have to sit down and eat how do you take the greatest feast ever conceived and make it into something that can be eaten on horseback or something so like that that i like that idea a lot and what it makes me think of honestly is i feel like In the games that we've played anyway, I often feel as if, you know, food and those sort of things are kind of taken for granted. It's just assumed that we have enough food to eat. And whenever we have a downtime, we're like, I'm just eating whatever apples or meat I have in my pack. It'd be very interesting if you wanted to, like, take that more seriously and say, okay, you recently slaughtered a fantasy bison. But unless you find (laughs) yourself some salt, this meat is going to go bad in a few days and it won't last you. And you're about to head into the fantasy Gobi Desert. And you'll die if you don't have preserved food to take with you on this long journey. Yeah, yeah. And the idea of making that into a challenge of saying we have to go find a certain mineral that will preserve what food we have and then doing that. I, yeah, absolutely. Can we also agree that a fantasy bison is just a bison with like a unicorn horn on its head? Or bison with like wings or spider legs that come out of its back. Yeah, well, they they have buffalo wings. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, Sam, of all of these things we've kind of talked about, what stands out to you the most? If you were, actually, I'd like to know two answers. Which would you prefer to DM and which would you prefer to experience? Oh, so that's a tough choice. I think. I think all of these ideas seem like they would be really fun challenges as a DM mm-hmm. to find ways to get my players to engage with these challenges, right? To to come up with interesting skill checks and interesting sort of physical challenges and things for my players. I, I, I actually think 
anything where I can force my players to actually physically eat something. That just sounds <laughs> right? like so much fun to, to do. I would really, really like to do that as a DM. Um, well, I know you've talked about yeah. in years past of like taking little vials and like filling them with like drinks. Mystery liquids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That everyone has to drink as if they are potions. Yes, exactly. Which and I think would be super fun. Might be really good. Some might be like a tasty beverage. Some might just be salt water. Some might be, <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, I, I still want to do that. I would love to <laughs> try that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's what I would want to do as a player and then the, or as a DM, but as a player, I would love to do the sort of D and D top chef uh, style where we get 10 ingredients that we all share and we have to fight over them and see who can come up with the best fantasy meal to impress a bunch of rich hoity-toity nobles. I think that would be <laughs> so much fun to role play and to even to kind of build a character around that, right? Mm-hmm. If we if we did a one-shot session where we said everybody is a a disgraced chef from some corner of the the kingdom that lost their career for some reason and this this challenge is their one opportunity to make it back on top of the world of the culinary arts, right? <laughs> if they can win this challenge then surely they'll be respected amongst their peers again and and they'll forget this horrible disgrace that they brought upon themselves by accidentally poisoning the king's nephew or something like that. It'll be the D&D version of beat uh Bobby Flay. Yes, so it'll yes, be like exactly. Bobby Flame or Flayed. <laughs> <laughs> like he's someone who if you if Bobby you can't Flayed, yeah, yeah he, he murders you or Exactly, whatever. he's you... like just like the Boltons. Like if you don't exactly. succeed, he will peel off your skin. Oh my god, Bobby <laughs> Flayed is great. Um I think that, yeah, that that just sounds like so much fun. So what about you, Piper? Which one would you rather do? So of the gameplay, I think because speaking of Bolton, I recently am just like my mind is all around uh, those kind of dynamics of like yeah. from Game of Thrones and like the Red Wedding and that sort of a thing. I think I would really like to play through a very tense meal in which it's kind yeah. of about like sussing people out and trying to yeah. like discreetly, you know, figure out who's what their motives are, what side people are on. And maybe there's a whole element of like poison in a goblet and things like that. Kind of more like murder mystery dinner style. Exactly. I, I think Lots would, of like interrogation yeah. and investigation yeah. along with the food. I uh, feel like that would be a really fun thing to to take a murder mystery party and adapt it to a D&D setting or take a game of Clue or something and adapt yeah. it to a D&D setting. I think that would be really really cool i agree definitely so i'd love to play that i think when it comes to dming hmm i guess of the things we've talked about i do like the idea of sort of the ingredient fetching campaign yeah like but that's much yeah larger not just like one session i like the idea of saying you know you have to figure out where these spices are and then you have to infiltrate a fortress of this pepper lord to get the best pepper and it's just i just like the idea of that i guess and i would love to have the freedom and challenge of building a world around uh, where like spices are such a commodity and they're so yeah. important that people kill for them and it's like well i've got this gold and like i don't care if you don't have five spice you can get out <laughs> like i will slit your throat for anything less well it, it's like dune right right I mean, spice yeah spice in dune is not i mean that's really like, like slang for like a drug isn't it whatever. yeah it's, yeah it's, but it's uh I think that's really interesting, right? That it kind of works the same way, right? You have this resource that for whatever reason, it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I'm actually building a Starfinder campaign right now that I have a lot of ideas about how I want to... I, I think what I'm going to do with it is I, as as all of our 
you are my players, build your characters. I'm going to say you all need to be a treasure hunter of some kind, or you all need to be a, you all need to have like some kind of common background as you're creating your characters, right? Yeah. So that we can just sort of take for granted that you're all going to be together. Mm -hmm. And now I'm kind of thinking maybe it's something like this. Maybe you're all smugglers or you're all spice traders or you're all something like that. I think that would be really, really fun to do. And, you know, maybe not have it be a huge epic 50 session long campaign. Maybe just do like a, a short little couple session long kind of one onesie twosie threesie shot well you know what's really fun about those sessions sam is that usually they start that way in conception as a one or two three shot yeah they always turn into into a 10 plus thing yeah they always grow because if you really i think actually that's a really great kind of method for building a fun world is giving your players a very kind of solid and kind of close sort of core exactly thing to build off of because that can when you're not overwhelmed by the vastness of a universe and all these other great quests and you can simply focus on one thing i think that can allow you at least for me personally to develop very focused and well-rounded characters that then once that development is complete in the original you know four or five uh sessions you can then take that character that you now know super well and bring them into a wider world yeah which is really exciting i actually talked about this a bit with uh with our dear friend jared from monsters and multi-class uh we recorded an episode we I, I recorded an episode with him uh that'll be coming out i think in the next week or two here just kind of about our world building process and that's something that i talked about a lot is that a lot of the most fun worlds that i've had are not the ones where i spend years and years building this Mm -hmm. huge grand epic thing that you know i have every detail major and minor of the world all pre-prescribed the worlds that i think are most fun to play in are the ones where they're based around one core concept that are we kind of let everything grow organically from there you know Mm -hmm. i have one sort of tone or idea that i build the world around and then i let you guys kind of fill in the gaps yeah. for me and and let my players take control of the world just as much as I am taking control of the world. And I think that's really key to not driving yourself insane yeah. when, when trying to build these big worlds like this, you know, like no, totally. let yourself have a little bit of help here and everybody gets to take ownership over the world. And it means that everybody's going to be more engaged and everybody's mm-hmm. going to be more just interested in being a part of this story. I, I think you're always going to get good results when you let everyone who's at the table kind of bring all the tools they have to bear. Definitely. No, I agree. And I even like see that in the content that I am eager to consume. I feel as if I've said to you many times, Sam, that when it comes to, for example, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, oftentimes when they take the plot into these enormous, big, like universal things, I'm a little less interested than when something's kind of close and personal yeah and it's about real and relatable right it's about one individual in their unique bubble and you know what they're doing there they're not worried about thanos or these other big things it's more about like kind of developing yourself in this one setting yeah and then taking that from there and expanding it absolutely yeah so yeah i mean i think those are some really really good and and valuable thoughts regardless of what type of game you're trying to build even if you if you are trying to build a huge epic world mm-hmm. you can still apply this i mean yeah, still definitely. give your players room to to fill in the edges of the map right mm-hmm. to to quote admiral beckett or no who is it that says that in <laughs> the caribbean it is yep it's yeah, uh the, yeah the blank edges of the map are all filling in exactly. whatever he says. um yeah i i think that's a really really 
you're doing yourself a favor as a DM by mm-hmm. letting your players kind of play around in your sandbox a little bit. Exactly. Like so, Which it yeah. kind of is a nice little segue into what I've got for the rec room yes. this week. Yes. Please jump in, Piper, and share what you got for us. Yes. So as our uh, favorite listeners will know, Sam and I are big fans <laughs> of a shared narrative and not just yes. having the DM tell people what's what, but having the players chime in and describe things equally as well. Yeah. And so one idea that I had when Sam and I were kind of brainstorming this topic is I like the idea of doing a in-person D&D potluck. Yeah. So obviously this is something if you're comfortable getting together with people yet, if you've been vaccinated, which hopefully you're actively searching that. Or in the future when we get to that point. Exactly. When, when, you know, we have something to look forward to. Right. When you're planning for things that are coming up. Um, I like the idea if you're doing a meal-based or a feast-based D&D session, tell each of your players that they should literally make an item, a food item. They have to yeah. make something and bring it like a potluck. And so then when you all sit down to eat, you'll also be playing at the same time. And as they present, each person presents their dish. And maybe it's just like, oh, I made sloppy joes. But <laughs> you have to now narratively in character describe what is the fantasy equivalent of this thing that you've created yeah. and be like, okay, what animal was made for this? What does it have magical properties? You know, what will the, what's the desired effect when you eat said thing? Is it just a plain like food that you eat? Or if you eat it, does it actually like make people tell the truth always or does it bring out your greatest fears is there something like evil about it uh so i think that'd be really fun so you're all actually eating together and sharing but you're also like thinking creatively about something you've actively made i think this is such a great way to kind of prompt yourself you know maybe this isn't even something that has to have a significant bearing on your DD story but i think it's a great kind of improv exercise right that you know, every time we play D&D, we'll order a pizza. Or, you know, we typically will eat while we're playing anyway. So mm-hmm. why not use that as an opportunity to sort of stretch the way that we view our game and our and our players? You know, I mean, if you really want to be goofy with it, make your, your potluck contribution and then also make a character based on that. And that's the player that you play that session, you know? I like it. Like, I think that'd be really fun. If you made Sloppy Joes, who is Sloppy the Joe? Uh, <laughs> I think that would be a really fun... Justify who the heck that weird character is, right? So you know what's really funny, Sam? I'm going to uh, do a little honest sharing right now for yeah. you and all of our listeners. Please do. Um, I have, honestly, there are a few foods that I eat and every time I make them for myself, I often imagine that they're actually something like maybe, like what if this was like a space food or like a, a fantasy <laughs> food? And one of them, laugh if you wish, but is whenever I make myself craft uh, shells and cheese and I'm like, what if this was literally just like someone took a beast, they sliced open its tummy and then it's like seasoned it and like it's just like the cooked innards of some creature but it, it's a it delicacy you think of the, the tauntaun from uh, right exactly it <laughs> yeah what if like they just literally had like a creature in their kitchen that they put it over a fire and when they slice open its tummy outpours what looks like mac and cheese and it's like this is super tasty eat oh, yeah. it like it looks weird but you're gonna like it if it's not mac and cheese what is it i know yeah, right exactly okay nah. weird I, weird space innards i like that that's a that is a <laughs> strange thing you do to your food um <laughs> it's fun for but me I, but i like it yeah i think that's a really fun activity i i think that's a cool rec room idea as well because you know typically we we recommend other resources and other kind of completed things that are out there i like this rec room 
as a recommendation <laughs> for a weird activity to right. do, you know? A, <laughs> Look a way at to... your food and think of what it could be. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. How to kind of practice role-playing and world-building actively with just something that you're doing every day anyway with yeah. your food. I think that's kind of fun and cute. Thanks. Now I'm sad I don't have mac and cheese to eat. I know. <sighs> right? Yeah, mac and cheese is delightful. But that's the best. Uh, we have another little rec room for you this week. I, I do want to just take a moment and plug once again our friends – over at Monsters and Multiclass, uh, I had the wonderful pleasure of getting to talk with Jared about, yeah, just our world building process. And he he let me run my mouth about Tolkien and Dark Souls and Miyazaki for like an what hour an and honor. a half. Oh, it was great. It was wonderful. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun. And I think we were able to share a lot of really interesting little kind of nuggets of world building tips and tricks and things like that so look out for that episode of their show coming out in the next week or two here it was a lot of fun to talk about and jared is a really great interviewer and he really helped pull a lot of the more it pulled some gems out of the the mud that i was spewing forth here (laughs) in this conversation so uh no they're they're all wonderful over in that show and we love getting to work with them anytime we get a chance so uh, yeah, please, please go and check them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's at monsters underscore multi on Twitter and monsters and multi class on all major podcasting platforms. Exactly. And if you want to find yeah. us similarly, you can do so. We are at worldforge pod on yes, Twitter and we are, we are uh, worldforge pod at gmail.com. Absolutely. In case so, you want to send us your entire banquet menu of <laughs> fantasy foods that we will attempt to prepare. That actually be really fun. Yeah, you know, if you guys sent us fantasy recipes please do and we made and reviewed them i haven't even talked about one of my favorite things to do is make menus for like inns and taverns i mean maybe you remember way way back when we first started playing together vaguely i do couple towns that you went to i would have you know i took paper and i dipped it in tea and i aged it in the oven and i you know and I, (laughs) i ripped up the edges and put coffee stains on it and things like that and then i you know write write uh, a menu for whatever tavern you would go to. And it was just a silly little thing that had no bearing on the game whatsoever, but it was so much fun to build. It is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed doing that. But um, yeah. Any chance you I'll... can go the extra mile, do yeah. it. Yeah, please do. That was a fun little real life prop we got to add. But yes, if you want to share your menus or your uh, D&D culinary experiences, or if you want to give us any feedback on our creations, please consider reaching out to us there on Twitter or at, at our Gmail account, worldforgepod at gmail.com and worldforgepod on Twitter, as Piper said. <laughs> and if you want to support the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcasting app of choice. Five stars and a nice little comment. It it just makes our day, and it yeah. really does a lot to help get our show in front of new listeners. So uh, please consider doing that if you haven't already, and consider sharing the show with a friend. Uh, we don't, family. Yeah, we don't do any paid advertising. Yeah. We don't do any kind of, <laughs> you know, anything like that. We're too all, lazy for that. Yes, it's, it's all, we're too lazy <laughs> and too cheap. It's all word of mouth is the way that this show gets shared with you and your loved ones. So consider doing that for us, and we, we take that as... The highest form of compliment. So Indeed. Yes. And that, I believe, is about all that we've got for you this week, listeners. Exactly. Happy Uh, dining. Happy digesting. May your tummy be full and your heart happy. Oh, my God. What a sweet little... uh, I don't have anything to follow up with that. Thank you, (laughs) listeners. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.